episode we're gonna play for you the uh final installment of christmas at blackwood you can find out who wins the eggnog <laughs> i guess it's called the eggnog war i don't know what it is there's a trial so you guys haven't read it there's a trial over eggnog recipe that's what these two lawyers are fighting about and okay awesome i can't wait we uh, <laughs> <laughs> have to start over you guys seem super <laughs> no i love it no we're not Starting over, no. we're going with it. I love this. Well, like you broke up, and all I heard was eggnog and so, more. Yeah, and I was you broke like, up on my end okay. too, so we were just like, sure, I know. Sure, and I was sure. like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready for that too. <laughs> You're back now, though. I just, I know, I can see you now. So great. <laughs> well, I wanted to say before you got too far in, Mel, t- she did read that meme on Monday that said, "I don't know what I'm wearing to Christmas morning, so I'm not going to go." And I wanted to say, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I get a subscription box every month. And it's a monogram subscription box. Have I talked about this? No. But it's it's 20 bucks a month. It, it's from a website. It's literally called I Love Jewelry. And that's the name of the site. You can look. They have a Facebook page. They have a website. But um, they call it their mono box, their monogram box. And I have the same initials as my daughter. And so we have the same monogram. So... I got it because I thought, you know, well, whatever I don't want, she'll, she'll want to. And, you know, I have gotten this. I think this is the fourth or fifth year that I've had this subscription box and I still fucking love it. Like there's not many subscription boxes that I've kept this long that I've still been genuinely happy with. And one thing that I love is every year, the first of December, they send Christmas pajamas with your monogram on them. So I have all these and they're really soft. They're good quality. I love them. And they have big sales in July. They do a Christmas in July where you can get their Christmas PJs, Mom and Graham, for like 15 bucks. And they're a full set, but they're like the stretchy, really, really soft cotton. Like they're just, they're genuinely wonderful. And some of the things that I get from them that I love is like I've gotten a couple of beach towels, um, which has been great for my daughter when she had swim lessons. I would send her towel with her to school. And so she knew which one was hers. There's been like several things from them that I really, really love. And so I just, I, it made me think about it. Like I've already got my Christmas morning PJs ready every year because I wear those pajamas. Did you say the name and of this the subscription year, box? I don't think you said it. Yeah. Did you say? It's called, it's called the Mono, the Mono Box. box. And it's from, the website is called I Love Jewelry. And you can just put in, I love jewelry. Just Google that and it will come up. It's the first website. I think, I don't know. The girl that started it, I think she started out doing monogram jewelry, like monogram necklaces and stuff. And I think she just wanted to keep it simple, but she's young. The girl that runs it, I mean, she's probably younger than me. And there's, um, like you can go on her Facebook page and she's constantly uploading like their new stuff and there, you can buy, you know, monogram things on there, but the, the mono box you get every month, it has at least one thing monogrammed and it comes with at least three things every month. So like this year I got, they give you an ornament with a year on it. They give you your pajamas and then you get like, I think, I think they gave me like a Christmas, like ponytail holders and stuff. So 
Yeah, it's really cute. Well, so. since we're recommending stuff, I bought, so I, t- I made a Christmas list that I gave to Pat uh, with links and everything because I was like, I don't want to leave it to chance this year. I need, <laughs> I wanted so many things, like, that's that good I though. Myself that I like. I always ask him for running shoes because I will run the same sneakers into the ground for like two years, three years, unless he buys them for me. And also, I wanted well, like smart. elephant skin products, and I won't buy them because they're too expensive. So I asked him to do it. But I'll. But I asked mm-hmm. him for the She Fit sports bra. Oh yeah. And um, I have a really hard time finding sports bras. So I have like a size. I'm like a G. And I, so I asked him for the She Fit sports bra and then I decided that I didn't want to wait. So I ordered one secretly myself too. And I ran with it for the first time this morning and it is amazing. Amazing. You like it. That's awesome. My boobs don't even move in this fucking thing. Like that's awesome. You can, so basically you buy your size, but you can adjust it. Like there's straps on, there's, um, Velcro on the straps on the, that go over your shoulders and Velcro on like the part that goes around your rib cage and you can adjust it as tight or as loose as you want. And like, if you're like me, you have a tendency to like buy a size down because you know, like it'll be a snugger fit and you'll feel more secure. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to buy this she fit sports bra, like don't, don't do that. Just get your size and then just adjust it because Oh my god! Like it, honestly, I don't know where it's been my whole life. It was so nice. That <laughs> my boobs were just like well, bouncing see, painfully. I bought one, and I wasn't like super thrilled with it, but I also had to buy the biggest size they had, and it wasn't the right size. Like it, they just don't make it to my size, and so I got it, and I I used it a couple of times, and it felt really thick and. Like a she fit, she fit. Mm-hmm. You're using it for exercise. S H E F I T. Yeah, yeah. And I just like maybe I I don't know. Like I don't. I just don't think like it. It wasn't the. I wasn't sized right. I think maybe. maybe. I don't know. It felt really bulky when I had it on, and it didn't feel super secure. Even though like I did the Velcro straps and all that stuff, but I don't think it went to my size and I was like oh it'll be fine I'll make it work and then I wasn't happy with it but it definitely like I definitely couldn't wear it and be comfortable like just wearing it like it's really kind of like strapping on body armor in a way but you're but like it did not you strap into strap into it and then like taking it off I was like oh my god (laughs) you know like it was a relief it's not one you would wear all the time like a sports like I wear sports bras pretty much 90% of the time around the house. Did you get the high impact or the medium impact? It has to be the high impact. But anyways, I really liked, I really liked it. So if you're, if you're, um, well, and just for reference, I'm a, I'm a 36 K. So, and that's in European sizes, which is like an M in us sizes. So I don't know. I'm not sure what it went up to, but I want to say I bought like the biggest one they had. And I was still like, I don't think this is big enough. I feel like it went to double. But that's not, that's not their fault. Yeah. Yeah, That's not really their fault though. What size did you say you got? I bought a large, um, but I'm going to, when Pat gives me the one that I asked for at Christmas, I'm going to exchange that one for an extra large because like Mm -hmm. the cup size was just a little bit too snug. And like Mm -hmm. I said, you can adjust it down. You know, like, I feel like the extra large might be too big for me, but I'm going to be able to adjust it down so that it just, like... You know. Mel is purchasing one as we I run every day. Oh, you're going to love so it. You're going to love curious. it. So I'm curious. Mm-hmm. But some stuff just pulls on your shoulders too much. I'm curious how it'll be. 
Well, you can adjust. Yeah. You can adjust the the Velcro. To- you can do the um. I think the the great thing about the she fit is that it velcros around your rib cage, so that that supports a lot of the weight. That's actually, that's actually the hardest part of the whole sports bra when you run a lot of times is it starts to rise at the mm-hmm. bottom. So mm-hmm. they when I'm watching this commercial now. They have made it so it's stuck to you, so the bottom of the sports bra doesn't rise up, and that's actually my biggest yeah, complaint. No, no underboob yeah. exposure. It, it tries yeah. to rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we yeah. sorted this out. I'm glad we glad we got <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, so, what do you guys? What did you guys get your husbands for Christmas? Um. So I got Kevin a couple of things. The first thing I got him was actually when we were at Indies in Bay Philly, I went to uh, this place. And if you're in Philadelphia at all, it is my favorite store there. It's called the Occasionette. And it's in South Philly off Pashonk or off uh, Moya Mensing is in Pashonk, I think. Again, it's called the Occasionette. They have the cutest shit in there, like the cutest little stuff. And there was a book in there on the history of maps. And my husband minored in geography. So he loves maps, loves all things about it. And they just so happen to have a book on the history of mapology or whatever that's called. Cart- what do you call it? Cartology? I think it's cartology. Cartology, whatever it is, the, the science of maps. It had a whole book on that. So I was actually really excited to get him that. So that was the first thing I got him. And then I got him, and we talked about it before, the adventure jacket. Um, I ordered him a couple of years ago, and he's been really happy with the quality of the products. And that company, Adventure, came out with a backpack. And so that came a couple of weeks ago, and I put it back. And um, I ordered it, like, like in June. <laughs> it just finally came, because um, I think they do a lot of uh, Kickstarter stuff. And so I got him that backpack. And then... Um, Oh, there was something else. I'm kind of excited. Like, I got him a couple of toys, actually, because that, you know, we don't really give each other, um, you know, gifts, like super nice gifts. The only reason I'm giving him the backpack is because it came right before Christmas. You know, I ordered it in June and I was going to give it to him for his birthday, but it didn't come in time. So I was like, you know, when it came at the end of November, I was like, well, looks like this is for Christmas. Um, the book I got him, I just thought he would love. But um, the toys, like... You know, he just—he's a kid at heart, oh, and I, I just you think sex for toys. him. No, 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 like actual ones. toys. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, definitely not sex toys. But no, I got him stuff because it's like you know, our it sounds so cliche, but the real joy is for the kids. It really is. You know, I love you know getting my kids you know a bunch of stuff and and letting them open it and you know mel was the one that told me you know she always said wrap everything wrap every single thing you know you get a pack of socks split them up wrap them up individually like the kids just want to open shit you know and it's true and i don't i'm not big on buying my kids toys but you know i did get them like a ton of books and clothes and pajamas and they love that stuff so i've just wrapped everything and, you know, our joy is really in giving them things and, and letting them open stuff. But the the toys I got them, one's like this kind of fidget thing. It's it's hard to describe, but it's like these two metal rings with like a rubber loop in between them. And you just sort of like flip it. And it's like a like a worry thing you keep in your pocket because he's kind of like that. And then um, one is it's weird. It's like this plastic U shape. Um, it looks like the letter U. And there's a ball that goes down in it. And what you do is like you pop the ball out of it and you catch it with the other end of it. So like it makes like a circle, oh, if that makes yeah. sense at all. 
So that one I'm kind of actually excited to see if like he can do it, if he can like pop it out and catch it. So. <laughs> I think he'll like it. That's fun. Yeah, Mackenzie yeah, so- really asked for mostly clothes this year too. I got her, we got her like a, a Lego set, but other than that, it's mostly clothes. Like she wants everything rainbow or black. Really- <laughs> I like that though. Yeah, my oldest one, Lydia, she's about, she'll be nine in March, and she didn't really ask for a ton of things. She may, I have made her make a list of Santa, and she put like three things on it. You know, she wanted a remote control for her Nintendo Switch, which was like 80 freaking dollars. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Like, the, she didn't ask for much, but what she asked for was really expensive. I was shocked how much a Lego set was. <clears throat> I was I like, know, right? I, she asked for the Stranger Things Lego set. Oh, that's cool. And I cool. was like, okay, so, like, throw that in the cart. And I, I was like, a hundred <laughs> like fifty bucks. Oh, my God, really? Just, yeah, I mean, it's pretty big, to be fair, though. It's like, yeah, it's got yeah. an upside down attached to it. It's oh, really cool. Oh, shit, that's cool. So I, I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch her do that with her dad, because I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot save my that's life. Your, that's your gift to yeah. Pat, <laughs> that Lego set. You guys in six hours. Uh-huh. I know. What about you? What'd you get my, your husband? Me and my husband don't really get things. Like, I just bought something. I was like, we're getting the vacuum thingy for the floor. I bought that. Oh, the room like, Did you get one? Did you yeah. get one? Nice. Do you like it? It comes today. Oh, I think. okay. It comes today. But um, the other, my daughter, she made a list. I told her how much she could spend. Mm-hmm. And she sent it all in links. And she's like, I got an extra $34. Oh, shit. She and, then, up. and then um my son I just got I let him get on Amazon and I was like go and look around and add stuff to the cart and then that way I would have mm-hmm. it. So he sat on my computer for like ever and he actually didn't even get that much stuff actually. <laughs> Everything was like Rob was like, Did you see all this stuff in his cart? I was like, Do you see it's all like three and four dollar little figures? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But it'll be a million things to wrap. I know, he'll love that. But he's got a big gift that he doesn't know about. He's we're gonna go. One of his things that he'll open is a trip to Jersey. Oh, he'll love that. So, and that's what he asked for. But I think he kind of keeps forgetting about mm-hmm. it. So, so how about we go to Walmart the other day? So we um, we were at, with our Girl Scout troop. We do um, we ring the bell for Salvation Army every year. So after we rang the bell, um, my husband went with us, and he was like, "I'll just go hang out in Walmart. It's only for an hour." And so it's like, okay. So he went in and then afterwards we met him inside and we were walking around and my little one who is five and a half saw the fucking Cinderella carriage that's in there that you can oh, get God. inside and ride around it. This thing is like $400. Okay. She told me she wanted to change her Santa list. <laughs> she was like, I don't want anything on my list. I want this. Too late. It's too late. I know. Cut I was like, oh, we've already face. sent it. We've already sent it to the North Pole. There's nothing yeah. we can do. It, we're excited. Well, I'm trying to change theirs too. I'm like, nope. I know. I was like, honey, we've already sent this to the North Pole, and she started crying. And she's like, but but Santa can do anything. He's magic. You told me he can oh. make anything. And like, because I said Santa doesn't have all the parts for that. And she was like, but he does. He's magic. Remember? And I'm like, oh, I have really fucked myself into this corner. Like. What do I do? Like, I, she's going to be, I mean, I'm not buying this thing. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, what the fuck? When are you, bu- when are you buying it? <laughs> wait till the last minute and there's none left. I'm not going to buy this 
disgusting. There's no way I can spend $400 on this carriage. No, you can't. No, that's crazy. <sighs> you can't. Because it's not even like one of those little four-wheelers where they can have it for a few years. No, this anything. is like one, I mean, it. granted, this thing. She's going to grow out of it. Yeah, well, and, and it does to the credit of the thing. I did look up the specs, and it holds 150 pounds. So, like, she could, I mean, both of them, both my kids could fit in this thing. It only goes five miles an hour, though. It probably isn't even going to go up the hill in our backyard. Like, where am I going to put this? You better be taking that shit to homecoming when you're 14. (laughs) Right? Right? You better recoup this fucking cost. I know. That's really expensive. Oh, my God. Like, I just, I was like, what do you do with this? And I was telling my friend about it the other day. And I was like, this is the one thing she keeps. She has not forgotten about it. Because I'm like, oh, I'm not mentioning this again. And she hasn't said anything else about it. And then, um, and then all of a sudden the other night she said, so when Santa's going to get my carriage, right? Like you told him, you sent him a text message. She said, Santa has a phone. I said, Santa doesn't have a phone. She said, everybody has a phone. That was her argument. Everybody has a phone. She's she's right. I I mean, she's right. I mean, she said, send Santa a Santa text. I was thinking about everybody has a phone and I was thinking which movies, like which of your favorite movies would never have been made? because everybody would have had a phone like home alone. I was watching. I was just going to say home, home alone. alone. If, if Kevin, Kevin would have had a cell phone probably, you know, <laughs> or, his na- or his neighbor would have had a cell phone uh-huh. and, and the, yeah. you, would, you would have called the cell phone. It wouldn't have been power lines. Wouldn't have been an issue. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Cause like, I didn't realize until I, I every year I watch something, I watch home alone and, and notice something differently about it. Like last year, I noticed that the dad is completely sociopathic. <laughs> And what? totally checked out. Like, he oh, doesn't yeah. even react when his son is, when he finds out his son is at home. He's just so blasé about the whole thing. It's so funny. Uh, he really, he's just like, yeah, okay. All right, honey. See you. <laughs> I think my, my husband would probably remain pretty calm, I think. He'd be like, he's fine. We'll get back there. He's good. We'll he's portrayed to be eight yeah. years old. That, that would be like my daughter being home alone. I would absolutely flip, you know? I don't have. Have you guys seen that show on Netflix? It's called The Toys That Made Us. No. Have you seen that? So they do. Um, it's kind of like a short documentary. It, I think their episodes are like 30 or 45 minutes long. And the first season of The Toys That Made Us only has like maybe eight episodes. And they cover Barbie, My Little Pony, Hello Kitty, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Ninja Turtles. Like they cover like the major toys that you played with as a kid. And they do the history of them. So this month, Netflix released the movies that made us. And there's, I think there's four or five episodes. And one of them is Home Alone. And it talks about how the movie got made, the history of it. Like, you know, they show behind the scenes stuff and they talk about how successful and iconic it is. And so it was really interesting. Loving Home Alone as much as I do. I was actually just thinking that last night when I was watching that episode, I was like, they had cell phones. This would have never happened. (laughs) Like, they would have to figure out. I was like, TSA alone, this would never happen. Like, the Lost in New York, I was like, if this happened post 9-11, this would have never never taken place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh Where they're just like, oh, it's okay. I've got your ticket in here somewhere. Just go find a seat on the plane. Just go find a seat. Yeah, that's what they say. They say, just pick a seat. Pick take whatever's available. Do you see your mom? Yeah. Okay, go find a seat. Speaking of the toys that <laughs> take made what, us. Take whatever's empty. Speaking of the toys that made us, um, I happen to, uh, there we do a classroom visit with our kids once a year at the school. And 
like we did this project where it was like, okay, talk about what your favorite thing is when you were their age. And then it lists their favorite thing alongside of it. So you can see what the difference is. And one of them was favorite toy. And uh, someone in the, one of the parents in the class said that their favorite toy was skip it when they were eight years old. Yes. And so there's this video. So then I te- I was texting with that mom later in the day. She sent me this video from YouTube of kids like that, uh, like modern children, like our children's mm-hmm. age, reacting to the commercial for Skip It, and then having to try yeah. it out. <laughs> my yeah, God, did they do it? it? Oh my god! Are you serious? Could they not do it? it? Could, well, it took them like it took them a good half an hour to actually get the thing because that ball was so heavy. Oh it yeah, like it's boulder. legit. You would take an ankle out. You had a stray kid that ran up on you while you were skipping it. <laughs> Fuck that kid, man! They got ankle problems for life. <laughs> Um, all of a sudden, have uh, you seen that shirt that says, I don't roll joints, I roll ankles? <laughs> well, when I, when I roll a joint, it's my ankle. <laughs> yeah. I then, so then I started going in and I was reading up on Wikipedia about Skip It. I just, uh, for some reason, I fell down this. You went in the I hole. I went in the hole for about an hour. And guess the guy who invented Skip It is now the CEO of Marvel Entertainment. What the fuck? <laughs> That's crazy. How insane as that damn that's so basically they had this huge wave of people by the skip it right everybody Mm -hmm. bought it and then they Mm -hmm. added the counter like six months later so everybody had to go bought it again and then they had to Uh change the commercial to say and the Uh big thing of all there's a counter on this ball remember yes so then everybody went out and rebought the skip it i remember my neighbor buying it twice fuck Yeah, yeah so Damn, that's some mass marketing right there. You couldn't get away with that right now. People would just like that'd be gorilla People warfare. People would be burning them. Moms, yeah, moms would riot in the streets. <laughs> I demand the counter. Yeah, I demand. Fuck you. I know. Yeah. Well, that's what was interesting about the toys that made us. You know, my kids and I. We watched the Barbie one last night because both my daughters were into Barbies, and. Some of it, some of the things they say are not really age appropriate for little kids. I'd say it's more of a PG 13 ish show, but it's interesting the history of it and how they, you know, created Barbie. And then when the Bratz dolls came out, and it was the first time Mattel had ever been threatened, Barbie had ever been threatened because they were like, if you look at the market, they were like, nobody else makes Barbies. And Mattel makes sure of that. Like, they said so they tried to beat the competition by creating their own line of like urban Barbies or whatever. And then they when they still couldn't outsell the Bratz dolls, they sued them because the creator of Bratz dolls pitched the idea to the Bratz company while he was still working at Mattel. So they were like, technically, any idea you have while you work at Mattel, we own. So they ended up suing them and it took eight years and they, they finally ruled in favor of the Bratz dolls, but they were like, by that point, the damage had been done. They were like, they drained them. Barbie was strong enough that they drained them financially and put them through all these legal actions that when they finally came out of the court case, Bratz had to close their doors. That's a, And they were like, some, they were like some succession <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So one of the, um, and then there was another lady who was with their marketing for Barbie. She worked there. She was in their like design and, and whatever their, their team that she ran. And she said, she was like, we had, she said, someone told me, someone called me and said, 
okay, she was with Mattel and I can't remember what the other name of the toy line was, like another huge toy company. They were like, they're about to come out with Jim and the Rockettes. You remember that show, like the cartoon Jim? Truly outrageous. That one. They were about to come out with a Barbie like that. Like they were going to come out with their own version of Barbie that was a rocker. So she said, this guy called me and told me it was happening and they were going to release it after the first of the year. And she said, I got my team together. And she said, we did what would normally take 18 months and 14 months. And we came out with Barbie and the Rockettes. Four months. We did it right before Christmas. And she said, and it murdered them. She was like, they never saw the market at all. She was like, because we knew it was happening. And she was like, and she said that about the Brat Stall. She was like, if I was working for Mattel when the Brat Stall came out, she was like, you wouldn't even know that name. And I was like, damn, that is a cold bitch. I love her. She was just... She was this little old lady too. I was like, yeah, get it. She was shit done. <laughs> absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I was like, damn, she's cold as ice. I like that. So yeah. And I mean, it was interesting to watch. Like if you're at all fascinated or like you were into those toys as a kid, like, I mean, I, um, you know, Kevin was super into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I was really into My Little Pony and you know, it's just, it's interesting seeing their history and their successes and hearing those stories about these ruthless backdoor deals. And it was like, oh shit, this is juicy. But you never, you never so, find out the about toys that made us. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. We are going to talk, let's talk about Celia. She has a book called The Bad Guy that I want to tell you guys about because I read through all the blurbs and this one stood out to me the most. She described it as Beauty and the Beast. If the Beast was an admitted psychopath who doesn't understand how to process emotions, but he knows his match when he meets her. So kidnapping her seems only natural. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. So I'm going to read you the blurb for The Bad Guy by Celia Aaron. My name is Sebastian Lindstrom, and I'm the villain of this story. I've decided to lay myself bare to tell the truth for once in my hollow life, no matter how dark it gets. And I can assure you, it will get so dark that you'll find yourself feeling around the blackened corners of my mind, seeking a door handle that isn't there. Don't mistake this for a confession. I neither seek forgiveness nor would I accept it. My sins are my own. They keep me company. Instead, this is the true tale of how I found her, how I stole her, and how I lost her. She was a damsel, one who already had her white knight. But every fairy tale has a villain, someone waiting in the wings to rip it all down. A scoundrel who will set the world on fire if that means he gets what he wants. That's me. I'm the bad guy. Dude, that sounds so good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. She it's been a long time since I read it, but yeah. She, she writes hella good blurbs her. too. So you you're, you you like this one, Mel? Yeah, he just takes her. She already has like a boyfriend, but obviously she's not in love with him. She's just <laughs> like whatever, and he just uh, he's like, oh, I'll take you. <laughs> I like that. And it's just a, a pool of them back and forth of her being like, I can't be with you. You kidnapped me. This is crazy. And then him like, no, you like it here. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Um, okay, so before we play the final installment of Christmas at Blackwood, I want, do you guys want to talk about, since this is our last episode of 2019, do you want to say like something you learned this year? something maybe you learned as an individual or an author or something, you know? Um, I think for us as authors, it's been a really difficult year. Just professionally, it's been, it's been really difficult. You know, in a way you kind of find out what you're made of, you know, when you're, you're put through something like this, but also, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I started going to therapy and, and that's been something that's, you know, I've, I've done before and I've always benefited from, but this has been, you know, a, a new adventure, you know, for this kind of therapy. 
And I think it's really helped me in a lot of ways that I didn't see beforehand or I didn't anticipate. So, you know, professionally, it's it's probably been one of the hardest years I know I've had. I mean, I can't speak for Mel, but it's, you know, it, it's been tough. I feel like I've learned a lot about, you know, what really is important, you know, and I think that's if anything has come from, you know, work this year, it's that, you know, it's really sort of showed me, um, you know, what is what's the small shit and what not to sweat and who and what is most important to me in, in the bigger picture. So I'm thankful for that. You know, I mean, it's sometimes I think we learn lessons in a way that we would never choose, but the lesson is still the same. And I'm, I'm just trying to, to come at that from a positive way and take that into the new year. And, you know, uh, you know, Tessa and I have said this before, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, that's that's my motto for 2020. Who gives, who gives a, a shit? shit? Gives a Mel, shit. do you want to add something to so what Leah said? No, I just think that I think I've learned a lot of the reminder of, you know, life is, what do they say, 10% what happens to you and 90% of how you react. So why things are happening to you and in the moment they seem like a big deal, it's really all about your reaction and how you play out. Each day is going to keep coming no matter what, and you're going to get through it and you keep going. So while it seems dark in moments, it's really not. You're going to get through it. Things aren't, like Leah said, aren't as big of a deal as you think they are. Yeah, think of yourself in uh, 2010, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Did you have... I actually did that the other day. I was like thinking back where I was five years ago. I think because Facebook does that to you. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> your memory. memory. You know, everything that seems so massive and so important uh, that, that yeah. day, 10 years ago, you know, half the, maybe none of those people are around you anymore. You know, maybe you're just in a completely different place and where you thought you'd end up is not where you ended up and... So yeah, I would I would say that I you know I definitely got some perspective this year on what's important, and it's weird how it's like I didn't even have to talk myself into having this new mindset of who gives a shit. It just became this like when something happens, and I normally would have been like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell her I'm gonna tell her what's up, you know, or I'm gonna you know cut this person off, or I'm gonna I'm just like, you know you just gain this level of understanding. I think the older you get to where, you know, you don't know what's going on with somebody else. You don't know what's going on in somebody else's mind or their life or what they're going through. And that's, I've thought a lot about that this year too, about people's awareness of themselves and being aware of other people. And when they react a certain way to think, okay, maybe this isn't about me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When somebody has such a big reaction to something, it's like, okay, wait a second. Just let them have that. Something else is going on. You really don't know what's going on in people's lives and people need to be more aware More of compassionate, that. you know, but also knowing when to go, this is something that, I, this is a battle I can't win and it's not going to benefit me. And so I'm just going to just go do my own thing. You know, I'm just going to not give a shit. <laughs> I just think like. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly the. 10% of what happens, 90% yeah. how you react. So, okay, the other thing I wanted to share, and I just wanted to end with this, is I saw, um, do you, there's this Instagram account called Tanks Good News, mm-hmm. and I really encourage everybody to go follow it because he only, he only um, puts out good news. 
like when somebody does something good or a good thing happens, he puts it up on Instagram and it makes me feel better every day. But I saw this, he shared this tweet from somebody yesterday and it says, my dad once wrote a note to us and put it in the drawer. The note said, quote, if you're scared to tell me something, just bring me this note as a reminder that I'm here to support you. I won't get mad. I will work with you to find a solution. And I thought that that's a really great thing I'm going to do for 2020 is like give my kid a note and put a note Mm -hmm. in her room and say, that's there. That's your thing to bring me when you think I'm going to get upset. And it's proof that Mm -hmm. I won't and I won't do it when I see this note, you know, like no matter what. I love that. So I just thought that was a really cool thing. Yeah, I love that. All right. Now that we've got deep, (laughs) (laughs) we'll send you into uh, the final installment of Christmas at Blackwood by Celia Aaron. And we'll talk to you on the other side. Bye. 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 Chapter 6 Ella I stare at the mirror with the gray frame and the hand-painted accents. Rain tinkles against the small window at my back. The sink basin is a raised glass bowl with river rocks around the drain. This house really is a showplace these days. Too bad my reflection is more of a mess than its surroundings. I shake my head at myself. Getting involved with opposing counsel isn't something I can do. Tucking my hair behind my ears, I ignore the electric excitement rattling through my veins, the particular thrill of Hart's mouth on mine, the way his hands felt in my hair, the way he lit up every pleasure receptor in my mind from nothing more than a kiss. If he can do that with his mouth, what would the rest of him No, not going there. I stand up straight and give myself a stern look. Not happening. It can't. Would I still be loyal to my client? Sure. But the state bar won't see it that way. They'll see me putting my interests ahead of my clients. I can't do that. So it's settled. Right? I ask my reflection. The woman in the mirror doesn't seem so sure. Damn. Maybe I should leave. I mean, the conference is pretty much done. We aren't going to come to an agreement today, and I can spend the rest of the evening writing up some more briefs in my motel room. This is a good plan, I tell myself. I step into the hall and almost bump into a woman. Oh, hi. She turns, her hazel eyes widening. Sorry, I didn't know you were in there. I'm Elise. I'd seen her from a distance when the entire Blackwood mess blew up. But up close, I realized she's got a warmth to her. The same warmth that's in every decorative touch added to the house. I'm Ella. I hold out my hand. She takes it and shakes, her grip strong. Nice to meet you. Has Hart been treating you well? He can be a bit of a scamp. He's fine. I shrug. I mean, we are on opposite ends of a dispute, after all. I think that calls for some disagreement. Sure, she shrugs, her eyes lingering on the pink in my cheeks. He can get heated. A mischievous smile tickles at the corners of her mouth. He's more like his brother than he realizes. I don't know much about the elder Blackwood. Just rumors, really but that's enough. Then again, Elise seems perfectly kind and friendly, and she married him.
Maybe the rumors are just that. Rumors. Did he feed you? She points toward the kitchen. I was just going to find a snack. Need to refuel after. She stops herself with a wave of her hand. After, you know, working in the yard and such. He fed me, yep. She does look a bit flushed, I think. But something tells me it's not from yard work. Great. She walks past. Well, I hope y'all can come to an agreement. We love Bonnie and Ty, so I'm on their team, of course. But I'm sure they want what's fair, just like you. It was great to meet you. And if you need anything, I'm always around. Nice to meet you, too. I'm already beginning to like her. The spunky little walk and the way she talks with me as if we've known each other for a while. It's all so comfortable. She gives me a wave. Good luck with Hart. He's back in the living room. Thanks. I turn and retrace my steps toward the front of the house. You okay? Hart is flipping through a mottled legal pad on his lap. Yeah, I met Elise. I thought I heard you two talking. He leans back, his slow smile like sweet molasses. She tell you how awesome I am? Not quite. I gather my legal pad. Hey. He leans forward. Are you leaving? I probably should. We aren't getting anywhere. I mean, we were getting somewhere in the kitchen, but in the completely wrong direction. Is this because I kissed you? No, I answer too quickly. Where is my poker face? You don't have to go. He reaches out, then stops and pulls his hand back. We should probably talk numbers, right? Numbers? I'm a numbers person. Does he know that somehow? I like to know definite amounts and put a figure to any damages. It's the best place to start when dealing with two warring parties. If I can narrow the dispute down to nothing more than a dollar amount, no emotions, no subterfuge, that's my sweet spot. What numbers do you have? Well, he flips through his worn legal pad as I take the seat across from him. From discovery documents, it seems to me that Bonnie and Ty made a profit last year of $15,021.11. I grab my pen. Split between the parties, that would give my client $7,510.55. I mean, look. He tosses his pad to the side. We're not talking big money here. No, it's not to us. But to Rayford, it could mean a better life. Sure, because he's done such a great job with his life so far. He gives me a certain look. Do you really want Rayford to come out on top in this? Of course. I know Rayford isn't the nicest, cleanest client, but that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve representation. He should get his day in court. He has solid claims. I don't see it that way. And I think the jury will agree with me that Rayford is a piss-poor brother who wants to glom on to Ty and Bonnie's success. We are getting nowhere, I sigh. Okay. He holds his hands up, palms toward me. Let's go back to the numbers. Rayford wants $7,510.55, despite the fact that he didn't do a lick of work to earn it. That recipe 
isn't a basis for monetary relief and you know it. I know no such thing. I leaned forward. And if there was no basis at all, Judge Houston would have granted your motion to dismiss. He didn't, so try again, Hart. God, arguing with him gets my blood up, and not in a professional sort of way. He leans closer, bridging the divide between us. He didn't grant my motion because he wanted to make it look like he was giving you and Rayford a chance. He's up for re-election next year. He knows you don't have a leg to stand on, but wanted to show the community that he's even-handed. Bullshit. I pin him with a glare, one that I hope doesn't give away the hot blood pumping in my veins. I have a case, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here arguing with me. You've got nothing but some smart pleadings and clever arguments. All of that will fall flat in front of a jury. His tone verges on mocking, but his eyes say something else. He looks hungry. For me. We're done here. I stand and pull my briefcase strap over my shoulder. Not by a long shot. He jumps to his feet. My heart jumps right along with him as he closes the distance between us. He leans down. Your client needs to give it up. He's not getting a dime. And your clients need to stop being stingy jerks. His gaze slips to my mouth, and I'm right back into the fire, my desire for him smoking up my vision. I'm leaving. I turn toward the door. He takes my arm and pulls me back to him, his forehead furrowed. You know what you need? Smarter opposing counsel? He pulls me in for a kiss that lights a blaze through my entire being. One of his arms goes around my waist. I lean back but can't get away. And heaven help me, I don't want to. My briefcase slips from my shoulder as he pushes me onto the couch. I wrap my arms around his neck as he follows me down, our mouths a mess of lips and teeth and desire. I know we should stop. I know it. But his tongue feels so good, and his body is hard on top of mine, fitting against me perfectly. I lift my hips, and he slides a knee between my thighs as we deepen our kiss. He puts one hand in my hair, and I moan when he pulls on the strands. Sensation washes through me, and I'm pulled under by how much I love his touch. Breaking our kiss, he fastens his lips to my throat, sucking and licking. His name darts across my lips, and he answers by pulling my sweater down and running his teeth along my collarbone. When he presses his hard length against me, all the same filthy thoughts I had about him years ago come rushing back. I have to stop this, to get control of the situation. But I can't seem to do anything except writhe as he rocks his hips against mine and drops his kisses lower across my chest. I run my fingers through his hair, then gasp as he returns to my mouth, his hand under my shirt and cupping my breast through my bra. My nipples are so hard they tingle, and when he brushes his thumb over one, I arch my back. I need you naked. He rests one palm at my throat. I'm not going that far. I'm not. Am I? 
When he rakes his fingers down my breast to get past the lace of my bra, I bite his lip. Yes, I'm going that far. He yanks my top down. Fuck you, gorgeous. He fastens his mouth to my aching nipple. I can't breathe as he nips at me with his teeth, then sucks hard, sending a shockwave of need through me. Heart, I can't. Mm. I bite my own lip as he cups my other breast. A board creaks in the hall. Hart yanks my sweater back into place as a dark-haired, bearded man strolls into the room. He stops, his blue eyes widening. Well, fuck me. Chapter 7 Hart Garrett, I want to strangle him, to just punch him right in his beard. Instead, I make sure Ella is covered, then I sit up. You could knock, asshole. It's my house, he shrugs. Our house, I correct, ours. He doesn't leave. I thought you two were fighting. We are. Ella arranges her sweater, her ruffled feathers beyond adorable. This was a mistake. I'd appreciate it if you could keep this to yourself. She stands as Garrett gives her an amused glance. I'm the number one secret keeper in the country. Had them for years. Just ask around in town. They'll tell you. He leans against the doorframe. You don't have to go. I rise as Ella shoulders her briefcase again. I do. She kicks her chin up. I need to work on this case without distraction. I'm heading back to my motel. I'd appreciate it if we set the next conference in your office or a more formal space. We don't have to. Thank you for lunch. She turns to stride past a still-amused Garrett. I glare at the cock block, which only makes him smirk. Then he follows Ella into the foyer. Uh, hang on a second, miss. That's what I was coming to tell you. Deputy neighbors called and said the bridges between here and town have iced over and that the county has already closed the roads ahead of the storm. Storm? Ella crosses her arms over her stomach. It's not going to snow. Her exasperation covers the earlier embarrassment. If she only knew what kind of kinky shenanigans Garrett got up to, she wouldn't be the least bit worried about him seeing us together. Already started in the northwest section of the county. Elise walks up next to Garrett. Looks like you'll be staying here for the night. She smiles. No, I can drive back. Ella heads for the front door and opens it. Ella, wait. I catch up to her just as she stops and stares at the old oaks that ring the estate. Look at the trees. She points to the crystalline branches. In the falling night, the nearest trees are coated with a layer of ice, and a keen wind blows along the eaves. The limbs lean toward us, 
The popping sound tells me that a pine tree just exploded nearby from freezing sap. Yeah, that's why the roads are closed. The rains turned to ice ahead of the snow front. Garrett strides toward the kitchen and calls over his shoulder. Best settle in. I'll make dinner. I'll watch. Elise follows him. Another gust whips past and Ella steps into the foyer and closes the door. I'm glad you're staying. I move closer to her and she turns around. Not intentionally. She doesn't meet my gaze. Hey. I gently grip her chin. Hey. When her warm eyes meet mine, I continue. I can tell you're worrying. Don't. Of course I'm worrying. She pushes past me. This is bad. Turning, she points at me and then herself. This thing, it isn't happening. Honey, it started happening all those years ago with you on my lap. She throws up her hands and almost hits the Christmas tree behind her. This is ridiculous. Is it, though? I take her hands. They're warm. We met before, and we felt it then. Lust, that's what we felt. Despite her defiant tone, she doesn't pull away. Definitely, but I think there was more to it than that. I think you know it, too. And now fate throws us together again? Seems like more than just a fluke to me. More than just attraction. I look down at her lips. Though, trust me, the attraction part is almost more than I can stand. She swallows hard. I need to call my client. I crowd her. I have to. My heart is thumping. You can call him. After we're finished talking. I cover her hand with mine and lean closer. Her eyelashes flutter closed as I press my lips to hers, softly this time, almost as if I'm asking permission. She sighs and takes my kiss, then answers it. The tongue slides against mine, all of her protests drowned out by the connection between us, this insatiable need that began in a bar years ago and held strong ever since. Just pretend, okay? Pretend we don't have a case. I press my forehead to hers. It's just me and you. What do you want? She clutches my shirt and lets out a breathy sigh. Fuck, she's sexy. I want... She bites her bottom lip. Just you and me, Ella. No case, no distractions, nothing between us. Tell me what you want. I know the words I'm dying to hear, but will she give them to me? Because if she will, I'll give her so much more. I want you. Her voice is so soft I almost miss it. But I don't. I hear the words that set me on fire, and I scoop her up and carry her toward the stairs. Chapter 8 Ella How does he have this effect on me?
A few kisses and I'm gone. He carries me up the stairs two at a time, and I hold on to him as he rushes down the hall, into a bedroom, and then slams the door behind us. Heart, I squeak as he sits me on his bed, then climbs on top of me. His mouth returns, and I'm drugged again, each caress like a hint of ecstasy that keeps me coming back for more. I run my hands to his broad shoulders, feeling how tense he is. I dig my nails in. He groans against my mouth and runs one hand down to my hip. I thought I was burning up before. Now, alone with him in this bedroom, I'm engulfed. Each touch, each kiss, each low rumble from his chest, I give myself over to it. Kissing him is so easy, so delicious that it's almost scary. And I fear that the wrongness of it all just serves to make it more appealing. I want to do the wrong thing, as long as it's with him. He settles between my thighs, and I rock my hips when I feel him pressing against me. His grip on my hip tightens, then he runs his hand up my sweater. With a hard push, he sits up and pulls my sweater completely off as I scrabble at his buttons. You know what this calls for? He grabs his shirt and rips it open, buttons flying as he dives back down to me, his mouth on my chest as he reaches between me and the bed to undo my bra. He gets it with ease, and I would put in a snarky comment at his skill, but when he fastens his mouth to my breast, I can't seem to string any words together. He stops for two seconds to strip his undershirt away, giving me a glimpse of taut muscles and smooth skin. When he returns to my breast, he uses his teeth on my nipple, and I arch into him. Kissing down my stomach, he stops at my jeans, pops them loose, then undoes the zipper. I take deep breaths as he pulls them down to my ankles, then yanks them completely off. Sensible panties, Miss Kang. He nuzzles against my stomach, his lips grazing me as I sit up. With an easy push, he puts me on my back again. Let me help you out of them. He hooks the sides of my cotton panties and pulls them down. When he spreads my legs, I can't tell if I'm awkward or turned on or awkwardly turned on. All I know is that I want more. You saved this for me. He kisses my mound and down the sensitive crease of my thigh. It's perfect. Heart. I grab his hair. He takes my wrist. Touch your tits. I want to watch you while I eat your cunt. He's filthy. Utterly filthy. But my hands find their way to my breasts just as he instructed. And I run my fingers along my hard nipples. Just like that. His green eyes never leave me as he runs his tongue along my pussy. My body tingles all over, and when he fastens his mouth to me and pushes his tongue inside, I gasp. He doesn't stop, his mouth so hot and perfect along my fevered skin. When he moves to my clit, I think I stop breathing. He pushes closer, 
my legs thrown over his shoulder as he watches me. I grind my hips to his rhythm, all modesty gone as I chase my release. My body tightens, everything twisting smaller and deeper inside me. Then he stops. Heart, I will beg if I have to, please. I'm going to give it to you, don't you worry. He strips his pants down, his cock springing free. My mouth waters as I see the bead of wetness at the tip, the way the shaft is so straight and hard. You want it, right? He grips it, giving it one erotic stroke. It's all for you. Yes. I clutch the sheets as he leans over and pulls a condom from his bedside table. He rolls it on quickly, then settles on top of me. I've been dreaming about this for years. Did you know that? His mouth is insistent, almost rough, and I find I want more of it. I wrap my arms around his neck and bite his bottom lip. Fuck. He palms one breast and rests his cock at my entrance. You're going to break me, woman. Yes. I thrust my hips up so his cock teases at my opening. He groans and pushes inside me. God fucking damn it to hell. His arms tremble as he holds himself on his elbows. You feel so good. My breath catches as he fills me, his body fitting mine perfectly, his cock hitting me deep and so, so right. More. I bite his shoulder as he pulls back and pushes deep again, and my toes curl as he starts a slow rhythm. This moment consumes me, and I'm utterly his, giving myself over to every bit of pleasure he can share. That connection he spoke about, he was right. This is real, and I've never felt it with anyone else. I spread wider, and he grunts as he leans back. Looking down at me, he licks his lips. You're gorgeous, so fucking sexy. He palms my breasts, then catches my nipples between his thumbs and forefingers while thrusting slowly, deeply. I reach above me and brace myself against the headboard as his movements grow rougher, each jarring impact sending a wave of sparks through me. Like this? He grabs my hips and lifts me, grinding my pussy against him as he takes what he wants. Yes. I flatten my palms against the headboard. With a groan, he pulls out, then flips me onto my knees. Before I can get a word out, he slams into me from behind. My moan is low and long as he starts fucking me harder, then reaches around my thigh and presses his fingers to my clit. Heart! I bucket the sensation, the pure arousal that shoots through me. I want you to come all over my cock. He pistons me, the slapping sounds of our skin ricocheting around his room. Can you do that for me? I press my forehead into the bed as he leans over me, 
his back sliding against me as we writhe and rock together. A hard slap on my ass makes me squeal. Can you come for me? Yes. I breathe. That's it. He covers my body with his, one hand on my clit, the other supporting his weight. I shove back against him, his cock sliding deeper inside as he rides me. This is lust. This is possession. And I don't want it to end. Each stroke sends me higher, and every masculine noise he makes is an added spark to my flames. On and on he masters me, his teeth nipping at my shoulder as he pounds inside me. My hips seize, my body going still and taking every impact until my orgasm bursts through me, pleasure erupting in waves as I moan into the bed. Fuck. He shoves hard and deep as I roll under the sea of pleasure, each quake turning my insides molten and my mind to mush. His cock kicks inside me, and he grinds deep as he climaxes, his groans a porn soundtrack that could get me off just from listening to it. I sink into the bed, my knees spreading even more as I go limp. He pants on top of me, his cock still buried deep, and drops kisses on my back. I think I may have blacked out when I came. I snort. Is that common? Just you. Only with you. He kisses down my spine. We breathe for a while, falling back down to earth like an errant leaf. My mind starts to clear as he keeps pressing kisses to my back and shoulders, as if he can't help himself. I can't believe we did that. I turn my head and breathe in deeply. The bed smells like him, that hint of cologne mixed with some sort of fabric softener. That has been coming for years. He pulls out gently and hurries to the ensuite. You know that, right? He calls. Ever since that night at the bar. I roll over and snuggle under the sheets. I should go pee. I don't. Because I'm comfortable right where I am. He hurries back to bed and climbs in beside me. Would it be cliche for you to... He pats his chest and gives me the most disarmingly hopeful look I've ever seen. Why is he trying to melt my heart? He already melted my panties. I scoot over to him and he wraps his arm around me as I nestle against his chest. Maybe it's cliche, but it's also perfect, and I love the feel of his heart beating beneath my cheek. Do you think your brother and Elise heard that? I whisper. <sighs> he runs his hand up and down my back. He's probably got her bent over that Alabama white marble as we speak. I laugh. Seriously? They have a thing. He shrugs. And now we have a thing. He kisses my forehead. But this can't be a thing. 
I close my eyes and let realization hit me full in the face. This is a huge complication, one that I brought on myself. Now my case is at stake. Should I tell Rayford that I can't be his lawyer anymore? Or should I go on as if nothing's happened? Don't do that. He hugs me tighter. I can hear you thinking and worrying. I drape my knee across his thigh. You know why I'm worrying. Look, maybe this will make the settlement happen faster, right? We're both on the same team now? I shake my head. We are most certainly not on the same team. Is that so? He rolls over on top of me, his cock resting between my legs and tickling my already too sensitive spot. Heart. What? He leans down and claims my mouth. I'm almost under his spell again. But then I think of what Judge Houston would say if he knew, and how Rayford would feel, and what would happen to my reputation. I turn away and scoot from his embrace. I should, um, I should. Stay here with me, he offers. That's exactly what I shouldn't do. I snatch my panties from the floor and pull them on, then finish getting dressed as he watches every move I make. Disagree. Exactly. We disagree. I stand and tuck my hair behind my ears. That's what we do. He gives me a smirk that threatens to pull me right back into his clutches. We disagree, but we do other things too. Stop. I turn toward the door. This was a one-time mistake, not a thing that's going to happen again. I spin to meet his gaze as I try to put certainty into my words. I just got carried away, that's all. I guess maybe it had been building up between us, or I don't know. We aren't a mistake, sweetheart. This is real. He throws the sheet off and stands. No shame in his game. It takes all I have not to look down. But then I do it anyway. He's already hard again. My thighs clench. You can run away this time, Ella. He walks over to me, his green eyes intense. But I'll be coming for you. A pleasant chill tiptoes down my spine. Are his words a threat or an aphrodisiac? I clear my throat. Well, I'm stuck here. You know what I mean. He takes my hand and kisses it. I'll be here when you realize I'm the one for you. The one? I push the thought away, right along with all the feelings that threaten to overwhelm me. As in, you love me? Is that so hard to believe? He cocks his head to the side and strokes my cheek. Why? We don't know each other. We don't? I'm pretty sure you're an uptight rule follower who graduated the top of her class and pushes away meaningful relationships because of daddy issues and a thirst to prove herself. Underneath all that is a level-headed woman who is the perfect complement to a rash man with family issues, overconfidence, and the same need to push people away. 
I blink. Then I blink some more. You've put thought into this. Into you and me? Of course I have. This is... I back away and into the hall. This is too much. No, it's just right. He doesn't pursue me. Not this time. But I can feel his gaze on me until I hurtle down the stairs and out into the cold night. Ella. Okay, so just one more. Elise crawls to the back of the Christmas tree and plucks out a package wrapped in red and green paper with a lopsided bow on top. I sit cross-legged on the floor, a warm cup of coffee in my hands. Christmas morning dawned cold and bright, the sun streaming through the bedecked windows. The roads finally thawed, but Hart talked me into staying through Christmas. He's good at that. I lean back into his arms as he sits behind me, his legs splayed out on either side of me. It says Ella on it. Elise has mischief in her smile as she hands it to me. Huh, I guess Santa knew you were here. Garrett sips his black coffee and inspects one of his gifts, new running shoes. I take the package and recognize Hart's scrawl across the legal pad yellow tag taped by the red bow. How did you manage a gift for me when we've been stuck here this whole time? I turn and he kisses my cheek. Christmas miracle. He drops another kiss on my lips. Just open it. I turn it over and pull at the haphazardly taped seams. I wrapped it myself. He whispers in my ear. I can tell. I mouth the words, but don't say them out loud. After all, it's a gift. With a rip, I pull the paper free. It's a book. I flip it over and run my fingers along the leathery cover. Pride and prejudice. Hart clears his throat. It's not a first edition or anything, but it's a restored collector's edition from the 1930s. 1937. Garrett grunts as Elise wraps a red tartan scarf around his neck. Right, 1937. I thought you might like it. Hart leans forward, peering over my shoulder as I open the book. He's nervous. Why does he do things like worry about whether I like my gift? It just makes me fall even harder for him, the scoundrel. Wow. I run my fingers down the smooth page. It's beautiful. You like it? I love it. It's one of my favorites. I turn and kiss him, thanking him with my whole heart for all the gifts he's given me this Christmas, the least of which is the book. Chapter 9 Hot I spooked her. I sit at the island as Garrett checks on his cornbread. I noticed. She sat on the porch for a while before that cold wind got to her and she came back in. What did you do? He stares at the buttery-looking top, then closes the oven again. Needs three more minutes. I just told her how I feel about her. And she didn't feel it, too? 
He drops some catfish fillets into his giant frying pot. They hiss and bubble on their way to fried perfection. I think she does, but she doesn't do anything rash. Not like me. And she's worried about the case, and the state bar, and everything in between. His caveman grunt is the only sign he's considering what I said. The truth is, yeah, I can see where she's worried that it's too fast. But sometimes things just feel right. That's what she is to me. Have you tried, I don't know, chasing her down? He looks over his shoulder. You're hopeless. I take my beer and wander back into the foyer. Ella is standing at one of the sitting room windows and looking out at the falling snow. I can't believe it. Elise stands next to her. It's really snowing. A Christmas miracle. So, yeah, I guess I really do have to stay the night. Don't worry. All those ghost stories about the Blackwoods aren't true. And maybe the ice will thaw tomorrow so you can get back to town. She lowers her voice. Hart is pretty much obsessed with you. Did you know that? Damn it, Elise. I almost bust up in the room, but force myself to stay put. Eavesdropping isn't so bad, right? Obsessed? Ella asks. Not in a bad way. He's just mentioned you here and there ever since you two first met. He never talks about anyone else. Not his style. But he's remembered you, followed your career. He even wanted to come to Azalea when that stuff with your dad happened. But he was stuck here with the rest of us dealing with our own mess. Not in a bad way. At least she qualified my obsession. Oh. Ella isn't running away. That's a good sign, right? He's not a bad guy. Trust me, I'd kick his ass if I thought he was up to no good. Elise shrugs. But yeah, he's talked about you nonstop ever since Bonnie's case started. He thinks you're super smart. You should hear his bitching when he sees you filed a new brief. Elise laughs. He curses you half the time then says how impressed he is the other half. Oh, and he adds in a sprinkle of, she keeps making more work for me, ugh. I can't see Ella's face, but I hear the smile in her voice. I'm glad I keep him on his toes. Definitely. Elise stretches. I'm glad you'll be here for a bit, and I may selfishly hope that you get to stay for Christmas. We bought that enormous turkey, so we'll have plenty of grub. And our liquor cabinet is well stocked. A necessity for any holiday with these guys. They're that bad, huh? They can get up to some stuff. Especially when they're together. Boys, ugh. I know the feeling. My brother Logan can't seem to stop getting into trouble. And he's the county sheriff. He'd fit right in with Garrett and Hart. Elise shakes her head. I guess I should get back to the kitchen and help Garrett. He's turned into a great cook, but sometimes he likes to boss me around for fun. And I kind of like it when he hits me with the spatula just right. 
She and Ella laugh together. I back into the library as Elise passes by and creep out and play it cool as I approach Ella. Hey. She turns and meets my gaze. Hi. At least she doesn't seem upset anymore. A strawberry hickey graces her throat, and I look at it with pride, because I guess I'm a caveman too, just like Garrett. I wrap my arms around her from behind, and we look out at the impossible snow. Why does this feel so good? She grips my forearms. I nuzzle her neck. Because it's right. She relaxes against me, though her silence tells me she's working through all her worries again. We stand there for a long time and just watch as the ground becomes coated in a thin layer of white. Clangs and voices emerge from the kitchen, along with the delicious scent of roasted meat. It's beautiful here. So much different than I remember it. She reaches out and traces the outline of the red holiday bow. You should visit more often. I kiss her earlobe. I want her in my bed more often than not. I want to pick her brain over my cases. I want so much from her. But I know I can't say all of that. Not now. Not when she's worrying away on the inside. Listen, Ella. I know you're sort of turned around and confused about all this. Confused? No. I mean, I knew what I wanted, and I went for it. Was it worth it? I hold my breath, because this is it. This will tell me if I move too fast, or if she feels it too. She rests her head against my shoulder. Yes. My overconfidence meter tops out so hard it blows to pieces. I grin. So, you're saying my sexual skills have convinced you that we should be more than just opposing counsel? Ground rules. Don't go throwing the L word at me, okay? And don't expect me to drop this case. And don't think that just because you and I are seeing each other that I'm going to change. I whirl her around. I don't want you to change. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I want you. Her maelstrom of caveats falls silent as she stares up at me. Just me? Just you. Even if I make more work for you, beat you in court, and make you look like a fool in front of your clients? The mischief in her eyes turns my blood to lava. I guess I'm not the only overconfident one. I can't go another second without a taste of her, so I take it, slowly sampling her lips in front of the Christmas tree. No mistletoe necessary. Epilogue Ella Thank you. I take the waiver from Rayford and file it in my briefcase. So you and that Blackwood fella, huh? Rayford kicks back in his seat and rests his dirty boots on the council table. Yes, as we discussed. Thank you for agreeing to keep me on as your counsel and for signing the waiver. And I can promise you my relationship with him will not affect my performance. None of my business. 
not really. He sucks a tooth as Ty and Bonnie walk in, though his gaze lingers the longest on Bonnie. I watch him watching her. Then it hits me. How did I miss it? He's got a thing for Bonnie. Is that why he's suing his brother? Jealousy? All rise, the bailiff announces, then goes back to playing on his phone. Judge Houston waves us all to our seats as he takes his place on the bench. Everyone have some good holidays? Yes, your honor. Good? No. The best? Yes. Miss Kang, ready for a new year? He shoots me a piercing look. Heard there's been a change in council's status. Your honor? He grins. Heard you and that no good Blackwood boy are seeing each other. Guilty as charged. Hart pushes through the doors into the courtroom. After dropping a powdered donut bag on my table along with a coffee, he shakes Ty's hand and gives Bonnie a hug. They don't care that we're dating. In fact, no one seems to care. Not even Judge Houston. Maybe I worry too much. Well, let's get this show on the road. Judge Houston searches around on his desk. We doing a jury? Hart stands. Yes, your honor. There'll be a panel available in half an hour. I checked with the clerk on the way in. She been any nicer to you? Judge Houston doesn't look up. Nope. <laughs> Judge Houston scratches his nose. Well, the clerks love Miss Kang here. Maybe she'll rub off on you. Hart gives me a mouth-open gawk. I nod. It's true. He grumbles and sits beside Ty. I glance at Rayford. His gaze is still on Bonnie. An idea strikes me. It's probably foolish and hopeless, but I may as well try it. Your Honor, can we take a brief recess for one last settlement conference? Granted. He waves us toward the jury room. Get in there and solve this before I waste my whole day on it. I got things to do. I need to make a phone call first. I turn to Hart. And I need to speak with Bonnie. Alone. No. Hart leans against his table. No can do. Bonnie, if you speak with me, I think maybe we can work this out. I speak past a baffled Rayford. Bonnie looks at Ty, then Hart. I'd be a fool to agree to letting you speak to my client without me, Ella. Hart's chastising tone verges on cute. I'll talk to you. Bonnie stands. Bonnie. Hart stiffens. I'd advise against. I can handle myself, Hart. I think you know that. After all, if you recall, it wasn't so long ago that I chased after you with a rolling pin for eating an entire chocolate pie that was meant for your mom and daddy. I can't stop the laugh that chirps out of me. Hart blushes. Jeez, Bonnie, you remember that? And more. I'm happy to share the rest of my stories about you with Miss King here, if that's what you- You can talk to her. He runs a hand through his hair. Irritation sparking in his green eyes. But five minutes only, and you can stop talking to her whenever you like. Understood. 
Bonnie nods and squeezes Ty's hand. What's the plan? Rayford pulls out a cigarette and lights it up as we stand outside the courthouse in the cold morning. I stand in front of him and clasp my hands. I think I may have found a solution. Huh? Was that what you and Bonnie were talking about? He takes a drag and offers the cigarette to me. No thanks. I pace back and forth. I think the way to solve this is to go at it from a totally different angle. What angle is that? His eyes are tired, and he's always struck me as a sad man. Maybe a little bitter, sure, but sad more than anything else. And my conversation with Bonnie reinforced that fact. The collaborative one. The what? He takes the biggest drag, whittling the end of the cigarette down by half as he fills his lungs. An old clunker pulls up in front of us, the exhaust alone probably drilling a hole in the ozone layer. But Carl steps out and waves. Can't stay long. I got my cousin Barney watching the station, but he can't think too good sometimes, so it's best I get back. Won't take long. I smile and lead him into the courthouse with a baffled Rayford on our heels. Carl, remember what we talked about last time I was in the gas station? Carl scratches his graying beard. Was that the asteroid thing I told you about? They say it was bigger than the Empire State Building, but the chances of it hitting Earth were one in about 400 million or so. No, Carl. What you said about Ty and Rayford's mother. Oh, yeah, that part. Uh, let's see here. He cuts me a sideways glance. I said that me and Geraldine were friends. Just friends. He coughs into his hand. And uh, I reckon I told you she wanted Ray and Ty to get along. That's right. Carl points at Rayford and Ty. Geraldine told me that right before she died. I was delivering Fanta. Y'all remember how much she loved Grape Fanta? Rayford laughs a little. Yeah, that and some snuff were her version of heaven. Ty nods. Well, I'm happy to tell you what she said, seeing as how me and her were friends. Just good friends, mind you. Anyway, Ty, you were at the diner that day, and Rayford, you were, uh, I believe you were in the state pen at that time. Mm, sounds like me. Rayford nods. I was in lockup when she died. He stops abruptly and wipes his eyes. Shit. Ty kicks at the floor. Sugar. Bonnie covers his hand with hers. It's all right. Rayford watches the movement. Hart gives me a confused look. Okay, but how does that settle anything? Ray, I'd like to offer you a job if you want it. Bonnie's voice is strong. We need someone to oversee the eggnog business for the next holiday season. It's taken too much of our time away from the diner. Ty opens his mouth. Bonnie holds up a hand. You know it's true. No sense arguing. We need help. She turns back to Rayford. Now, we'll be happy to bring you on and have you work with us for fair pay. 
That will keep the eggnog business in the family. And I think more than that, it'll give us all a chance to start over. After all, you two boys are all Geraldine had, and she loved you both so much. She wouldn't want you to be fighting like this. Rayford looks at me, his gaze questioning. You think I should take that? I'm here to fight for him, but I also have to give him my honest assessment. I think if we put all our cards on the table, we know that this dispute can be solved right here. But it's up to you. I'm ready to go to trial if that's what you want. He taps his fingers on the table for a few moments. Well, all I wanted was a chance. I've been saying that this whole time. And that sure sounds like one. He looks up at Ty. I know I ain't been there for you. And I wasn't there for Mama when she passed. I know that. And I know you're mad at me for suing. But you wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't give me a chance to show you I've changed. I'm clean. Ain't got no involvement with any kind of illegal dealings anymore. I'm too old for that shit. I'll work hard every day if you'll let me. I'll show you I mean it. He nods. And, yes, I'll take that deal if that's okay with y'all. Ty, are you okay with Bonnie's offer? Hart asks with a markedly skeptical tone. If she says it, it's gold. Ty squeezes her hand. What do you think, Hart? Hart taps his index finger on the table for a moment, then looks up at me. All right, then. Then he looks at Rayford. We'd need you to agree in front of the judge that you're dropping your suit and won't be filing again for any of the money on previous sales. But as long as that's done, I don't see why not. If that's what Ty and Bonnie want. Sure. He looks Ty in the eye for the first time since this case began. Maybe I'm still a no good asshole, but I sure hope that ain't the case. I want to be someone Mama would have been proud of. This is your chance. Bonnie reaches over and pats his arm. And I believe in you. Rayford looks down at his hands. Thank you. I'm gonna get on back to the store if that's all right. Carl stands. Sure thing. Thanks for coming down. Hart opens the door to the courtroom. Let me speak with opposing counsel for a moment, and then we'll take it up with Judge Houston. Ty, Bonnie, Carl, and Rayford file out. And when the door shuts, Hart whirls on me. What the hell kind of voodoo are you up to? I shrug as he strides up to me and grabs my hips, lifting me onto the table with ease. Hart! What? He's so close now his scent still all over me from last night. You don't like my methods? He smiles and kisses me, his mouth commanding and erotic. I push at his chest, but it's half-hearted. After all, I want his touches. More and more, I can't get enough. When he finally pulls back, he lets out a huff. 
How in the hell did you pull that off? I take his tie and straighten it. I had a feeling. I acted on it. Since when does the prim and proper Ella King go off half-cocked? I lean up and drop one more kiss on his lips. Better get used to it. I talked to Benton about setting up a satellite office here in Browerton. Looks like we're going to have plenty of cases together. When his face lights up, my heart does too. God, how can this man make me so happy? Seriously? He grips my ass and pulls me against him, my pencil skirt hiking up as my legs open. Yes. I know I'm not supposed to say it because it's too soon and you're too careful. He kisses the tip of my nose. But I love you, Ella. And I'm going to show you soon enough just how much. I smile as he kisses my throat. I love you too. He freezes and returns his gaze to mine. Are you sure? I've only been obsessing about you for years. He grins. Don't let it go to your head. I dig my heels into his calves. He reaches between us and unbuckles his belt. Heart? I glance at the door. Pull your panties to the side. I want to seal this deal. He slides one hand up my thigh. I know you're wet for me. What deal? I can't deny the heat that surges through me at his lewd command. The one where we're in love. He frees his cock, then pulls my panties aside himself. When he plunges inside me, it's all I can do not to moan. Keep it quiet, Miss Kang. Courtroom decorum is a must. He nibbles my throat as he surges forward, the table scooting across the tile floor a little bit each time. Licking his thumb, he presses it to my clit, rubbing me in a circle as I skyrocket into arousal. The whole getting caught thing really is a turn on, because it only takes a few more strokes until I'm at the edge. Heart, I'm close. He presses his palm over my mouth, then thrusts harder, hitting me just right. I moan into his hand as he embeds himself deep inside, his cock hardening even more as he barely stifles his groan of pleasure. My orgasm hits hard but fast, lightning that exhilarates even as it disappears. Taking in a gulp of air, he pulls out and rearranges my panties. With a cocky grin, he says, justice is served. I roll my eyes but pull him in for another kiss, because I can't get enough, and I know I never will. This has been Christmas in Blackwood by Celia Aaron. Read for you by Kit Swan and Kurt Bonham. I'm laughing because I just heard from my editor that Tools of Engagement got chosen as the title. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it did. Oh my God, I'm so excited. That's so funny. It all happened in real time on this episode.
I love it. Okay. Yay. That's coming in June 2020. <laughs> See, Aaron. So, like, we told you about the bad guy, about the psychopath, uh, Beauty and the Beast story. You definitely want to grab that. If you want to get the con- Christmas books, if you're looking yes, for more of those. Christmas books by Celia Aaron. She has a bundle and she also has Accidental Santa, which is a new release, which is like Scrooge meets Mouthy Elf. And the companion book to Christmas at Blackwood is a book just called Blackwood, and it's the brother. Is that correct, Mel? Yes. So you definitely want to go get that. And she's giving away a pack of three mystery signed books of hers. So go to readmeromance.com and enter to win. I think that's it. I think we are uh, done for 2019. And when we come back, it'll be 2020. So thanks for being with us this year and supporting the podcast and being so positive at all times about what what we're doing and love lady listeners. So thank you. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Leah, tell what to do. Fuck your day up. Make stay your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine, or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.